Life on Side B is a ministry of pastorship, a missiological ministry equipping church leaders and parents on LGBT plus inclusion and care. Learn more at pastorship.com. Also, we want to thank all of our patrons who keep the podcast going and growing through their continued giving. If you love this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash life on side B. Now on to the episode. Hey everyone, it is Josh and welcome back for another episode of Life on Side B. Today I am joined by the one and only Paolo. Hello, Paolo. Hi. Hi, Josh. Hi, uh, Life on Side B. <laughs> uh, Paolo Hi. Erico, we're so happy to have you. Uh, Paolo Erico is so happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized I didn't say your your for your last name in the first time. But, oh, that's all right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to be talking today about sexual integrity. Mm-hmm. Nothing... You know, I feel like this entire season has just been one heavy thing after another. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you guys are really blazing the trail and you're you're hitting the ground running this season. We're trying to. I love it. I love it. I love getting into the messiness. I love getting into the mud. So you guys are doing great. Ugh. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you like it. I'm glad, I'm glad there are people out there that are that are enjoying it. Um, as we start, I mean, for anyone who hasn't heard of you, which why would they? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, can you share with us how you identify and a little? Yeah. Well, I mean, share with us a little bit about yourself, including mm-hmm. there how you identify, and maybe a little bit of how you've gotten to where you're at. In reconciling your faith and sexuality yeah yeah and do uh, all of that in 30 <clears throat> seconds no i'm joking yeah i am gay <laughs> no um <laughs> but uh yeah i identify as gay um sometimes queer here and there um rarely do i identify as same-sex attracted it kind of depends on uh who i'm speaking to and uh how much grace is required so but um, most comfortably, I land in just using gay. Uh, pronouns are he and him. Um, I am 33 years old and in Southern California. Um, but yeah, a little bit of my story. I actually grew up in a traditional Italian Catholic family. Uh, that's how I got the name of Paolo Erico. And uh, yeah, just... I love when you explain to me. I mean, I already knew it, but uh-huh. that your name is just like Paul Rich. Paul Richmond, yeah. The tra- Paul the Richmond. Direct translation to English is Paul Richmond. I mean, I already kind of got that from like even the Spanish correlation to Italian. Yeah. But I was like, I had not thought about how basic the name can <laughs> sound when translated to, Spanish, <laughs> to English. You know what's funny? So the name Paolo in Italy is so common and is so basic. And then Erico, yeah. it's nothing really special. But I'm so thankful I live in America. <laughs> Where people are like, oh, Ooh, like I'm instantly in a Lizzie McGuire film or any type of <laughs> romantic Italian film. Like I am the romantic love interest, which makes it great and hard <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> and I can see that for your life. Anyway, oh, you can continue. <laughs> so, yeah, both of my parents uh, were born and raised in Italy, and then they immigrated here to the U.S. And I was born in Southern California. <clears throat> they proved uh, they're Italian by giving uh, me an Italian name, and they proved they were Catholic by having seven kids. So I'm the last of seven. Oh, yeah, I'm the last of seven kids. <laughs> you have me beat. Lucky you. Yeah, yeah, you're one of five? Five. Yeah. Five. Yeah. Uh yeah. I cannot imagine two more being in there. Oh, crazy. I'm glad they stopped. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, one of seven kids. I'm the, I'm the very last. I'm the only queer one of the bunch. Uh, they save the best for last. I like to, is what I, I like Amen. to tell my parents, my parents and Amen. my siblings. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> I, have, um, I have five brothers. I have one sister. Uh, we all grew up pretty tight uh, knit community um but just like with your it, it was just it was there was a lot of chaos in my family with a bunch of people um thanks to therapy i'm i'm working through all of that and 
um, growing up queer, it was just really hard. Um, although we we identified as Catholic, we didn't really go to church or ever. Um, so I never really went to mass or anything like that. Uh, I always joke, but it's pretty true. I knew more about the Pope than I did about Jesus or scripture or anything like that. And the only thing I knew about Christianity is what I heard in the news. And so, um, uh, seeing people picket outside of rallies or outside of, um, of pride parades was really the only experience and example that I had of Christians. Mm-hmm. And so I was pretty far from the church. Um, even though I was far from the church, I, uh, still carried a lot of shame in my sexuality. Uh, I think a part of that is just growing up in the nineties and having this machismo Italian, upbringing uh being gay was really scary so i uh, i kept it hidden um most of my life and then around my mid-20s i had a long stint of uh just drug and alcohol abuse and a lot of partying um yeah kind of lifestyles of the rich and famous uh drug sex and rock and roll was kind of what i was desiring most and uh, decided to come out after uh, trying a bunch of different things and realized I was really depressed and the only way I can get out of it is if I came out. So I did in my mid-20s. And again, not a Christian, so I did what any uh, any person, I think, in their right mind would, would choose to do, and that was to date. And I dated a lot, mm-hmm. and... Um, if I'm honest and vulnerable, I, I became really promiscuous, um, tried to really fill that void in those lost years, quote unquote, that I had, uh, just tried to redeem all that by promiscuity and, um, uh, casual dating and hookup culture. So that was me in kind of my mid to late twenties. And then a friend of mine, uh, who was a coworker invited um, he invited me to church. I knew he was a Christian, um, in the midst of my dating and my hooking up, uh, I was really, really depressed. I fell into a deep, yeah, well of depression and anxiety. And my friend, um, was, was just constantly there for me. He was one of the guys that I came out to. And because I knew he was a Christian, I was a little bit scared of what he might say or do. But he was actually really sweet and he was he was there for me and, you know, met boyfriends that I had. And and then um, a little bit after that fell into this depression and, and he was there for me and he really cared about me. He's straight. Um, uh, just to throw that in there. So there wasn't any <laughs> there wasn't any hooking up or or any like mm-hmm. romance in there. Uh, but uh, to kind of repay him for being such a, a cool friend to me. I went to the church that he went to or uh, that he was going to in in Los Angeles and just got to meet the most amazing people. Uh, the first preaching I had ever, ever heard was about um, family and the kingdom of God. And it was the first time I really heard about uh, the gospel and God as a father and uh, the acceptance and the love. And yeah, it was the first time that I heard about grace and so when people say that they were wrecked, like I was wrecked, I cried so much that I had fevers for days because I just, I wasn't sure what my body was processing and the emotions that were coming up. Um, I was still drinking and, and using, using drugs at that point. Um, and then, yeah, in the next few months, I kept on going to Sunday service and learned about identity in Christ and learned about... Um, more about my heart and who God says I am and what he wants for me. And so I knew I wanted to, it was about five months into that first preach um, that I had heard that I wanted to give my life to Christ. And then I started to work through sexuality. What does God say? Um, Yeah. About being gay. Does God love gay people? I had all these questions like, what does that mean for me? And my pastor, Brad, uh, at Restored LA really took me by the hand and the community there, the leaders really took me by the hand and walked me through a lot and allowed me to do my own digging and my own work. Uh, but essentially like, 
sitting me down and and being really honest and vulnerable and and just really gentle and saying like um following christ for you um like we want you to really consider celibacy and singleness and we know that this isn't an easy thing like this is actually going to be really hard we can't imagine and they you know they were really gentle um and again they took me by the hand and uh i hated them i hated them i hated the church i hated god but i couldn't deny what jesus was doing yeah yeah um i couldn't deny what jesus was doing in my heart he was rearranging uh so many things in my life um and uh i just was not i was not okay with this one part of this well one part but really big part of my life which was desiring a husband and desiring um you know sex and and all that and intimacy that it is that is romantic and sexual and so i had i was really honest throughout that whole part with the church i was still dating but i wanted to give god a shot if he says who he says he is and he says he's good then i want to um i want to honor that and gave god a year and um within that year i feel like he really it just really showed up uh, to me. I was at a at a wedding and I uh, just found myself near the altar where no one was there and just bawling my eyes out of like, God, why are you doing this? Like, why would you do this to me? Why would you make me gay and then take me uh, to this pit of felt like hell? Um, like, yeah, just the consequent question, why are you doing this? And felt yeah. like I audibly heard him um say like you're you're looking for the ring on your finger and i i gave you my blood and all i i thought it was i was crazy but i couldn't deny that i was hearing that and that that it was not from me because i those are not the words that i wanted to hear um Mm -hmm. but it was at that point that i yeah i decided to uh, vow to singleness and celibacy um so that's been about five years um I've been a believer for for six now, um, so amazing. Uh, it's I I wish I could say it got easy. It gets hard. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like as Doesn't soon as it? I uh, I feel like as soon as I vowed to those things, um, and made that choice to live in this way, um, yeah, just every every guy every man known to the human race just popped up and showed a sudden interest. And I was just like, Oh dang, what did I just sign up to? Um, I'm like, if there was ever proof (laughs) that the devil is real and he's a liar and he is a liar, (laughs) it is in those moments. There's so much connection between our stories because I relate to it on so many (laughs) levels, like the anger at the church and all of that at the beginning having like an experience with God and that going yeah. like, I know this is not me because this is not the message I would create. 100%. This is not the message I this would create This is not God. the God I wanted. <laughs> and seriously, with all of the opportunities with men that I got after like deciding to pursue celibacy, I'm like, the devil is real and the devil is a liar. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. If we could talk about spiritual warfare in in these moments oh my gosh i'm there yes so many times there's so much that i i mean part of what with what your story thank you so much first of all for Mm -hmm. sharing it and being bringing that here with us um i think the first thing that i relate to is actually we're recording this in may um the episode with leslie just dropped Mm -hmm. and i was just editing it and it reminds me of something that leslie was talking about in the episode on grief about um we're all grieving different things and sometimes that grief can come out in anger especially for those of us who are grieving what we know mm-hmm. like the past history of what we know which is different for side b people that are grieving what they don't know like yeah. never having been in a relationship yeah um and not one is worse than the other that's not what i'm saying in any way yeah. i'm just talking about the particular differences and i think for a lot of us that can come out in anger yeah anger of that yeah i just felt like i heard that so much yeah the the bitterness the resentment the yeah i think the list goes on the contemptment Mm -hmm. like all of it 
Yeah, the yeah. shaking, shaking my fist towards God for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, so as you were making that move from being sexually active to pursuing celibacy, um, you've talked a little bit about kind of what that was like theologically, or you know, coming to that understanding. Mm-hmm. What was that? I mean, first of all, I guess kind of, kind of the anger is part of it emotionally, but also what are some of the things that helped you in that shift, or like, or what? Can you share a little bit more of what that process was like? Because I feel like a lot of times people think that you decide and then you like never have you never deal with anything again. Yeah. Or I don't know. People think it's a lot smoother than what it is. Well, I think the first thing that came up for me, one of the things that I needed to work through was like, first of all, God is the king of salvation, not celibacy and singleness. Mm. Like Mm. that is something that I needed to seep into like my very core um, before before I like embarked on the journey. But then going through the journey and how honest I was, probably like maybe a little overshare um, uh-huh. at, at points. Um, I think um, I think the community that I have um, at Restored LA, uh, which is a small, it was a smaller community at that time, six years ago. It's since kind of gone a little bit bigger, but um, the group and the friends that really came alongside me and really mm. stood with me in that confusion. Um, yeah. And just like the pit of darkness um, and despair, like they really sat with me and just reminded me that like Jesus is sitting with me in those places. Like he makes homes in that. Um but ultimately, like just the space that the the friends that I have uh, at the church, um, the, the way they that they really cared for me and loved me um, allowed me to get to the place of reconciling faith and sexuality and sexual yeah. experiences. Mm. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. 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 There's so much. Yeah. It's it, it's like. I feel as much as we talk about celibacy in the realm of singleness, I don't like, it's not, I I'm honestly more and more convinced it's not possible in isolation. You know, it's like, gosh. Yeah. Well, I think like Josh, you and I spoke about this in person, but like when we talk about sexual integrity, it's not because we're writing the book on it. It's not because we've like solved it. Um, like we are work in progress progresses. Um, we are, being perfected by our faith and Mm -hmm. like this ish is hard. Um, and we're, we're on the road to learning what integrity looks like in all areas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that kind of moves us into this whole thing of integrity Mm -hmm. because as we've talked about, uh, this has been a topic I've been wanting us to get to for a while, especially being able to talk about sexual integrity you know, opposed to sexual purity, because I think even when we use, when we have this understanding, we, we still think of everything in these lines of sexual purity, this mm. idea of just getting it done and, and, and never, <laughs> never faltering ever in, in any of it. Yeah. Because I think people, we can get uncomfortable when we have the idea of people are still growing yeah. in this, which then implies that they're not perfect in it. Yeah. Um, so I guess then my question, like, and we can just dialogue on this, is how would you identify, like, how would you define integrity? And I mm. guess more specifically, sexual integrity. How would you distinguish it from, like, sexual purity? There's there's a yeah. lot there, but what Honestly, are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I feel like you probably answer this the best, um, and it's okay. more simple. Um, but can you go, and then I'll see if I can build on that. Yeah, that, that, yeah, <laughs> that's that okay? perfectly fine. Because this has been, yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> Because this is definitely, obviously, as I've been talking about, it's a big part for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I've been, I just did my, um, one of my presentations for my mm-hmm. doctorate um, a few weeks ago. And one of the things I was talking about was integrity um, of, because my presentation was on spiritual formation and queer lives. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I, I think that integrity is the process of bringing, um, bringing harmony um, I, I think it's the best way I've been able to put it. It's the process of bringing our public and private life back into harmony. 
of being able to not have double lives mm. of being able to be one holistic person of being integrated of having mm-hmm. all of your parts integrated mm-hmm. and i think it's so like t- not even just in a sexuality area just regular integrity this is something i was thinking about after my presentation is i see the closet as mm. this process of compartmentalization we separate we yeah. we hide we we hide certain things from others from ourselves so in, integrity is the process of reintegrating these yeah. parts that we have hidden all of this and so i think sexual integrity in this way is that part about bringing both our failures our convictions our desires all of it into the light in one holistic way mm-hmm. But I think the scary part is that it starts with honesty and it's messy. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah I think beautifully, beautifully said. Um, I think, yeah, number one, it is a process and it is something to lean into and learn through, not to get over. Um, I, I mean, even just our failures in whatever area of our lives, like they're not something's to just overcome and you get over it's actually something to lean into and go through um so i think for lgbtq folks whether side b side a or wherever they're at in this journey is we know how to compartmentalize we know how to organize we know how to hide and shape shift and all this uh because of the wounds of the closet we've done it so well that Mm -hmm. we know it well yeah and so I think also just whenever shame uh, wants to mock um, vulnerability, it's really easy to run back to the closet because uh, it's what yep. I, it's what I know best. Uh, the closet is what I know best because I've I've gone through it for such a long time. Um, but I think the the hard truth of um, walking out of the closet is. Mm allowing yourself to embrace the wounds and allowing yourself to embrace Mm -hmm. some of the like the deep ache of vulnerability and the fear of of vulnerability you know and and walking out of that closet um so when it does come to sexual integrity specifically um yeah i just think there's no i think firstly what's been a huge blessing to me is knowing that I have a community to share um, when I have failed. Um, when I do fail, uh, you know, I, I live with Greg Pikin, who you had a little bit ago. And he's, yes, yes love, him. love him. Everyone needs a Greg Pikin. You can't have mm-hmm. mine, but you can have your own. <laughs> um, but he's also a marriage and family therapist. Um, mm-hmm. And he just has a huge heart for vulnerability. He's um, just wildly, wildly gifted at sitting with people um, and mm-hmm. giving them space to process and asking really good questions. But he's also really gifted at loving me at my messiest and loving people at their messiest. And so I think for side B folks, when we do experience failure, it's knowing that we have people um, and who those people are um, to help us navigate through that. Yeah. Did Mm. that answer your question? That is so perfect. That's so beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean like that's that, that's the whole part of it. I love what you were saying about, um, we're, we are geared towards dis- like there there I feel like we think that we come out and then we never have a temptation to go back into the closet but yeah. I think when you've spent so many years it might not be the same closet of oh I'm no I'm gonna take it back saying that I'm gay yeah but it the closet is any time that we compartmentalize our life and yeah. granted I'm not saying to always go on Twitter and start yeah. listing everything you've done wrong. Yeah. But it's about the people who you're doing life with. Like there's boundaries of some people just don't need to know things about your life. Yeah. But it's about the people you're doing life with. Do they know you? Like, yeah. do they know the deep, dark parts of you? And it's that fear of not being loved. It's that fear of rejection. It's totally. that fear from God, from others that keeps us from pursuing that. Yeah. And and I think that that 
shifts away from the idea of sexual purity because I think that sexual purity just gets into this self-improvement idea. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. let me take steps to do actions better rather than knowing myself, knowing my faults, knowing the good, the bad, the ugly, and allowing other people to see that. Um, yeah. In order to better pursue, because I there was a there's a quote that I keep going back to by Rich Viodas, who wrote the Deeply Formed Life, mm. and he said we we hold on to secrets. Our body when we when we hold on to secrets, our bodies often manifest the poison we store up yeah. in our psyches. Yeah. And so it it literally does something to our bodies. I think. Yeah. In many ways. Yeah. Well, there's also that phrase in psychology: um, "You are as sick as your secrets." And mm-hmm. secrets literally do fester and they, they almost grow legs and crawl around. And I'm a, yeah. so, so by trade, I'm a massage therapist and I've been a massage therapist for the past 10 years, almost 10 years, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. also makes being side B a little tough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, if sure I'm honest. about sexual integrity. <laughs> I mean, just Christian, being Christian in general. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but yeah, we, we could talk about that more too. Um, <laughs> oh shoot, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> you were you were talking about the whole thing of secrets and psychology. And secrets, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think being a massage therapist and knowing, <clears throat> knowing the body really well and mm. understanding my own body really, really well too, I feel like um, knowing when I'm... Uh, living my life in a in a disintegrous way it causes such a divide in my own body even in like my own spirit and body um to where i'm not living in a completely holistic whole self uh embodied Mm -hmm. way that that i was meant to live in and yeah there's there's a tragedy in that because i was never meant to to walk in that uh god didn't call me to um uh, to hide myself um Mm -hmm. but i i I think i'm fortunate enough being a massage therapist that i i'm i notice it in my body and i notice it in my emotions um yeah and yeah sharing it when when it comes up um has been really important yeah i think that that's been another thing that recently I have been exploring about in sexual integrity that mm-hmm. I don't have a firm. I'm like verbalizing my, my externally processing. So this, yeah, I'm externally processing Done. currently. So Love this it. is not organized, but I think there's another part of sexual integrity. When we think about sexual integrity as Christians, we automatically go to both. How do I like open about my failures as well as like, how do I pursue being in line with my convictions, living honestly within my convictions, that kind of thing. But I think you're pointing to another point of, integrity that I think is important of if sexual integrity is about our bodies, we also have to reintegrate our understanding of our bodies as, as ourselves. Like I like the language of, I don't have a body. I am a body. Mm -hmm. Like it is part of my personhood. Yeah. Um, I'm a big Hebrew Bible person and anyone who studied Hebrew Bible knows for the old Testament. I mean, I would argue the whole, the whole Bible, but (laughs) We're not going to get into that argument. I would, I'll, for now, I'll just say the Hebrew Bible it. is very big on the embodied life that mm-hmm. humans can't exist without bodies because yeah. it's part of who we are. And I think that with that, I think it's kind of hard because I don't know if you know, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel in an unhealthy way because of my life before becoming a Christian, I've had an understanding of my body in a way because of my sexual history, my mm-hmm. activity, like mm-hmm. the ways has allowed me to explore my body and understand my body granted through ways that I probably don't agree with, but it, yeah. it was a good aspect that came out of it. Cause I know my body in many ways. Um, and I've been exploring more like what are better ways for someone, yeah. which I think there are, I've, I've learned a lot through breathing techniques. Mm-hmm. I've learned a lot through, um, just the understanding of touch and all yeah. of these different kinds of things. So I don't think it has to come through a sexual history. Yeah. I just think we're geared towards that, but yeah, I love that whole thing of like that embodied life because I think unless we understand I am a body, yeah, we're not living integrity either because we're thinking of ourselves and compartmentalized again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think anytime 
that I totally agree with you with like learning from our learning from past sexual experiences. I think one of the things that I became really sensitive to is knowing when my body and my personhood is being taken advantage of. Um, you know, a part of my experiences, my sexual experiences was, um, uh, just allowing myself to be taken advantage of, um, and allowing myself to, I, I, yeah, going into talking about integrity, I went into a lot of situations that weren't healthy. Uh, there were a lot of underground, um, uh, no, well, not even underground, just people who were, um, you know, you hear it on the, on the DL, uh, just men who, um, were in yeah. relationships with women and mm-hmm. identified as straight. And I was kind of, I just put myself in a lot of mm, really harmful situations. And I think, um, even in just like physically abusive situations and, the wounds on my body's healed, my body healed, but the wounds in, in my soul and in my heart has taken a longer time uh, to yeah. do that. And so being honest and um, even earlier this year uh, of 2022, I, I shared with our close group of side B friends just a few of the experiences that that really, really affected me. And one of the things that has happened is opening myself up to intimacy in other ways, like emotional Mm. and intellectual and spiritual intimacy. Cause, Mm. uh, although sex is great, it's not the most needed connector, uh, that we have and that we are given. And so it's sex is just an easy way to experience intimacy. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's not the only way. And yeah. Um, that, having sexual experiences is really hard saying that, but I have to remind myself of that. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I think it's like, there's even other ways of getting physical intimacy that are don't involve sex. But when you've like, when we've trained our bodies in some ways to receive it in that way. Yeah. um, There's, I just finished reading Eve Tushnet's book, Tenderness, Mm. which y'all, y'all, yeah, read it. It's okay. so good. Down. So good. Down. I cried in the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> like not even chapter one. I cried oh, in the introduction. No. And but there was a whole thing she wrote in it. She has a part where she talks about chastity and mm. sexual integrity and stuff. And I love where she talks about this practice of understanding that our like sex is a way that we speak many messages through. Like we speak our needs through, we speak our fears through, we speak our anger through, we speak Mm -hmm. our love and our desire through. And so um, many times, like in some situations within marriage, like that can be a good way of expressing some things. Um, But many times while, um, there's a practice of being able to say, Hey, in this, what am I trying to communicate or what am I trying to say in this moment through these desires? And I think that can be both. I mean, it can, it's, it's hard because, but having to do this process of going, Hey, what am I trying to communicate either by what, about what I need or what I want to say to this other person or like communicate in this way um, about myself or about others yeah. that and how do I find another way to do that yeah but um I think that's been really good even just the very fact of going hey hmm, what am I trying what is what is my internal self trying to communicate in this yeah. moment yeah um, and it might even just be I love a person it might be I want to feel ownership over myself because mm-hmm. um, as you said like I I really think that's a big thing for those of us who have been taken advantage of sometimes yeah. sex can also be a way of re-empowering ourselves as totally. well totally Oh yeah, completely. And I think, you know, again, not to say that purity and integrity means perfection. Uh, that is not, that is not it. But I think, um, knowing, knowing what's driving me to desire, not even desire, but to act in a sexual way, um, 
I think I've needed to really do just soul searching. Um, just as you were saying, like, what am I actually desiring? I think for me, you know, uh, about a month ago, Greg and I moved to San Diego, which is about two hours south of Los Angeles where we were living. And we lived for the side B community where we moved here down here uh, for the side B community that we have and have been establishing and have been Mm -hmm. growing closer to. But that has meant that I've, I moved away from 33 years of what I've always known and the community that I've always known in the midst of that, uh, a huge blow up in my family, my like bio family and the family dynamics that I had were shifted and have Mm. led to a lot of confusion. And, and in that, I think I took, um, I, I think I gave myself a little bit of a license to, um, to not live in an, an integrous way and, getting back to that point of where I'm being walking in a holistic way, I think though is really scary and opens me up to a lot more vulnerability um, mm. from spiritual attack. Uh, yeah. I think it's, it's also softened me a lot more for leaders, for um, our other side B community that, um, is still trying to figure this out. Um, you know, and yeah, I think learning to hold space for others has come from learning to hold space and grace for myself, Mm. Mm. which that's good. That ain't easy. Yeah. Well, and that moves kind of in, that moves into another question that Mm. we had here, which, um, first of all, thank you for the vulnerability of sharing that. And, what what has it looked like for you to kind of move back into integrity through that process? Uh, anything that you'd be willing to share kind of thing like, but cause I think that's a big part of this is, you know, I think integrity is admitting we're going to make mistakes. Yeah. Um, like, and experiencing the love of God through that. But like, yeah. what does that look like for you? I think the thing that has been the most soul crushing uh, for me has been being honest with mistakes. Uh, mm. As in Enneagram One, if we can just park in Enneagram talk for a little bit, <laughs> like yes. it, my Enneagram Oneness does not at, like admitting mistakes. Um, mm. And it, although I, I enjoy thinking that I'm more of a an improver. Uh, like the Enneagram one, the improver rather than the perfectionist. I, I also am aware that I like to do things perfectly. Um, and I want my purity and my integrity to be perfect. Um, so admitting that I've failed in that is, um, I think is what my heart and soul needs, but it also gives me the ability to say um, I've tried to take control over my life. I've tried to take control over my body and my growth and it's just not working. And so I think just the steps to, to getting back to it Mm. again, community. um, I have a phenomenal spiritual director that I tell everything to. I have Mm. Greg and other, um, Side B folks that are close by that I tell everything to. Um, yeah, my pastor has been amazing, even throughout the transition of San Diego, has been just really amazing. And so I feel very cared for by them. Yeah. And just being seen, just being seen and known, uh, has been the most healing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that totally reminds me. Another thing that uh, Eve Tushnet said um, in her book, um, which I thought was really good, uh, when chat—I don't know if this is the exact quoting of it, but uh, it's the note I wrote down: "When chastity becomes simply about moral improvement, without experiencing God in the midst of failures, it mm. produces soil ripe for dishonesty." Mm. And it's cool. like that whole thing of like if we can't ex- learn how to experience God in the midst of failure. Yeah, we're going to, we're, we're not going to be able to do it. Like it's yeah. not. Yeah. 
No, that's so, I, I think the vulnerability part is so big. Like even from my own experience, um, one experience I had wanted to share um, was a few years, a few years ago while I was still like, while I was already in ministry, um, my family went through a tragedy um, like, and it, it put me into traumatic survival mode um, it, that like I just hid from others. And I think a lot of it is I, talking about the Enneagram. I'm a three wing mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. So I just want to help people. I, I just, and I, through this tragedy that my family went through, I um, realized I, I couldn't help them. Like I couldn't make it go away. Yeah. And I think that moved me to connect with a guy that I felt like I could fix his problems. Mm. And it was a married man and we ended up having an affair. Mm. And I still remember after we slept together going, what, what just happened? Like before that, when it was more emotional, I made lies and all of this stuff. But the moment it became physical, I was like, how, did I end up here? Yeah. Like <laughs> this is more than just having sex with a guy. Like this is a married person. Yeah. Um, and ultimately long story short, cut off the relationship with the guy and moved into place of, um, uh, tried to try to even be friends for a while, but just was like, Nope, need to cut this off. And, but being honest with the people in my life was yeah. really hard. It was really, really hard because it was something I had lied to, like not just hid from them. I had intentionally lied about it. Um, And thankfully, I had an amazing workspace that I was in at the time that just I was in ministry and did not lose my job, Mm. um, which is very rare. But like they were willing to take me through a process of restoration. And I think like for me, what I learned through that process was we sometimes get restoration and discipline mixed up. Mm. Um, Speak on it. Yeah. Speak (laughs) on it. I like, obviously sometimes restoration can include discipline and I think it needs to. And like, I experienced that. Um, But ultimately it's about this thing of like, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. Like how, what led me here Mm -hmm. and how do I address that? And like, I think it, does require honesty like it begins with honesty but restoration can't happen without a complete vulnerability and humility and i think that that's what makes it so difficult on the part of the person design because it can't happen unless the person wants it like i had to want it and i know what was even harder is after i had already started this process of restoration and everything um i ended up a while later having a situation where the wife found out about mm-hmm. it, everything that happened. And I had told the guy to let her, to let her know, but um, she ended up finding out. And I think that was always the most grueling part for me. Cause yeah. the thing is, is that I have always held to a thing of like, I, I think we need to create a, we need to work on creating a culture where Christians and ministry leaders, especially ministry leaders yeah. can get, healthily like emotionally and and sexually and i think that remains allowing a space where they can be honest Mm -hmm. like i have told all of the co-hosts on this podcast they will never be kicked off for having sex with someone Mm -hmm. it's not going to happen i just want them to be honest about what they're going through if we can like if we can have a culture here where you're going through stuff and you can share it and process it maybe before it gets to something like that, then maybe we can help and help and care for it. But when there is this culture where people have to be perfect, then I can't share the things that are going because people are going to start getting worried that I might screw up. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of been what it has taught me in it. It doesn't mean, and, and, and again, I think even it can also get mixed up. Like restoration can also get mixed up with like, I don't even know the word for it, but like unnecessary grace for a person who's not actually wanting restoration. They just mm. want to continue like moving like forward. license. Yeah. Like a license. Exactly. Uh, restoration does not mean license. Thank yeah. you. Um, because it means like, I remember one of the things that led to that affair was a drinking problem I had. Mm. And so with work ended up going, you need to, you need to address this. Like you have yeah. to 
go and deal with this. So yeah, there's just so much there, but I feel like it's one of those areas I don't see churches doing well. Yeah. Like no one, we don't, we aren't doing it well at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think a lot of that, especially in our queer spaces is for qu- queer people who are in ministry, being queer and Christian is already not addressed fully in a lot of our Christian spaces. And so when there is, um, when there is a situation where someone who is queer, um, whether does sleep, sleep with someone or makes out with someone or whatever it is. And, um, they're reprimanded in a way that, um, Honestly, I think might be done out of fear and might be done mm. out of um, also just uh, ignorance. Um, yeah. I think just continues to spread the idea that for us queer people, like being honest and being open can get us fired and lose our, our yeah. life, you know? Yeah. And yeah, that's something that all LGBTQ people I think are born with. And then when it happens mm. in ministry, the last place it should happen, um, I think the last place that should happen, um, it it just continues to affirm shame. It continues to affirm the closet. It's safer than being outdoors. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And that's so contrary mm. to the gospel. So contrary. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so sad. Like I, we, yeah. We've we seen have, this happen so many times friends. yeah. that like, they're just being honest. Yeah. They're just being honest. And the reaction is fired, disciplined. Yeah. Nothing of, Hey, what led you here? Like, what, what were you seeking? How can we, yeah. like, how can we help you? How can we support you? Sure. That might, that might include, Hey, why don't you not lead for a while while yeah. you take care of yourself? But not out of discipline, but like it seems like you have some stuff you need to work on. Totally. So, like let's do that. Yeah. So I get that. It's not a matter of but it it also might not include that. It does it's a contextualized thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And being able to create that space where like for me, I've had to learn, wow, I have to be careful about this need to fix people's problems because yeah. it gets me into trouble and it totally. gets me like into this. And so I've had to learn I can't fix everyone's problems. And that's been one of the biggest things that I've had to work on that kind of gets into this about my boundaries with people and yeah. and all of those things. But it's because I have the safe people around me who I knew like they were going to be mad when I told them that I had hid this from them. Yeah. They were going to be hurt yeah. that I didn't trust them but I knew they wouldn't leave. Yeah. And that's, that is the beauty of grace is like, it hurts more that you're, that you think being hidden is better than actually being honest. And again, like hiddenness, isolation are, are lies that the enemy would want us to believe. Um, I'm uh, first of all, Josh, just to like go back a little bit. Thank you so much for sharing that experience. I can only Thanks. imagine how hard that is to to be in the space that you're in. And um, yeah, just your willingness to share that is is really, really brave and courageous. And I'm thankful that we have someone like you leading the podcast that you do. Thank you for that. I don't always feel that way. <laughs> I'm like, why am I leading this thing? Um, yeah, no, I been I've been nervous to share it because I've been planning this for a while to share yeah. it. But I have felt for a while that um, obviously, as I said, not everyone needs to know everything. And yeah. like there is even in that there's boundaries like I've wanted to just tell my story. I'm not telling the other guy's story. I'm I'm telling my story. Yeah. And. But I felt like leading this, there was a responsibility of if we want to create a culture where that kind of restoration can be available for some people, yeah. then it needs to start with some of us being honest of yeah. the fact that we've been there. Yeah. And like, I've had to accept that, like the ways that 
it has brought consequences on my life because it always does. It always yeah. will bring consequences. Yeah. Some maybe less warranted than others, but yeah. like it just happens. And accepting that, but then trying to allow for God's love to be experienced in that. Yeah. And and I say that acknowledging that I know that like you and me have amazing communities around us that have loved us and many people are not in that way. Many people know yeah. for a fact that if they share at work, they're going to get fired or if they share with their family or their close friends about something that happened, they're going to get humiliated Yeah, and no one should be in that situation, especially yeah. on Christians. Um, I wish I could just say find new friends or find a totally. new job, but it's not always that easy. Yeah. Um, and so I just want anyone who's in that situation who's listening, I just want to say my heart goes out to you yeah. and um, you don't deserve to be in that, in that context. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Josh, um, man. how could, would you be open to sharing like what was the hardest part of owning some of those consequences? Yeah. Um, I will say the hardest part for me, the number one hardest part is and will always be um, what I did to the wife mm-hmm. in the sense, like what it all meant for her. Um, that will always be the part that haunts me most mm-hmm. um, because um, she didn't deserve it. Yeah. Uh, and so... Um, that's going to, that's always just been something I've had to accept. Yeah. Um, without conversation, without anything like that. I think that that has been the number one thing, Mm. um, in it because I never wanted to hurt her, but yet it's there. We hurt people by our actions. They just do. Yeah. Um, I think that um, accepting what people's thoughts are of me because of this, mm-hmm. when people learn about it, whether from me or from someone else, yeah. I can't control it. Yeah. Um, what that blocks for me, what that changes for me. Mm. It's been a thing of accepting like, God, you have me in the place I'm at. You have the community around me. I can't, I'm not here to tell this full story to everyone so that, you know, that they, um, believe me of something or I don't know. Yeah. But it's been a thing of like, God, I, I own it. And I also experience your grace in the midst of it. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's been the most thankful thing that has come through it is it has been, um, the biggest driver of my humility going mm. forward of caring for other people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's mm. been, that's been some of it for me. Yeah. I think that's, even if it's some of it, it's, it's a really heavy sum to, to carry mm-hmm. and a weight to carry. And again, Josh, like I can't imagine a better person to be leading something like this. And like, yeah like truly i think your ministry comes from a woundedness and yeah i think our our uh our fave is uh our you know henry now and how he speaks about the wounded healing Uh, yes and so yes i think yeah thank you for modeling that thank you thank you as well and like Mm. something i'd love your thoughts on with this because kind of going back to that quote from Eve about Mm. the importance of experiencing God in the midst of failure. Like how do you think we can have more grace for ourselves and for others as we pursue integrity more in our lives? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That can be after failure. That can be in the midst of all of of... it. Like how do we have grace? Yeah. Gosh, if I'm honest, I think that's, um, that is, the thing that probably keeps me up at night the most is um, in the midst of really big failures and even just, um, again, like the 
past sexual experiences that I have had. And I think relating that to the past experiences, um, I've had to put Jesus like almost visually, physically in those, in those spaces, like in the room. Mm -hmm. And those are some of the craziest and scariest questions. Like Jesus, where were you in all of that? Like Jesus, like what, where was your face? Like where, um, where were you standing in that room when all of that happened? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, why didn't you do anything? And I think I have allowed myself even in most recent experiences of, of just saying like, Jesus, what would it, where could you have intervened more? And, you know, and so I think the grace is one in knowing that like he was there all along. Um, I think one of the beauties that I've, that I've been able to experience is like allowing God's presence to be literally everywhere and Mm -hmm. knowing that he is literally everywhere. And, um, when, you know, when, when we hear, um, you are my son, son whom I love and I am well pleased in. Like that is a space that God as father, like can never walk out of. Like that is a feeling that is emotion. And that is the truth that he can never walk away from. It's unlike him. It's unnatural. And so the grace I think for me is the repentance and vulnerability and being honest with my failures is scary and it hurts because it exposes me to a lot of my failures. Um, Knowing that he can't leave from that space um, is, is like where my heart becomes mended. Um, Mm. And I think there's grace in the mending. Um, I don't know if it's grace in the mending. Yeah. I don't know that it's something that I just, you know, wake up and find, grace uh but i I think grace is in the mending process Mm. Mm. yeah i i love what you said about just acknowledging god being everywhere Mm -hmm. kind of thing Mm -hmm. and it it made me think back to psalm 139 Mm -hmm. of like fearfully and wonderfully made yeah um, I was doing a study on it and I thought it was interesting because I think we sometimes take that psalm, that statement, I am fearfully and wonderfully made and just make it like a independent doctrine Yeah. of when I think that that's not what it is, because if you, I was reading the psalm and the beginning of it goes um, of acknowledging that God sees you like mm-hmm. God sees me, all of my desires there. There's this understanding that God sees the good, the bad. He knows what you're thinking. He knows everything that you do. And this acknowledgement of God just holistically seeing you. Mm-hmm. And then there comes this understanding, which is kind of what I felt like related to you. Cause there's a verse in it where he says, um, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I go from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol in the grave, you are there. And it just made me think about this thing of like God's presence is everywhere. Yeah. He's everywhere. Yeah. And there's nowhere where he will not go for you. There is nowhere he will not go for you. Exactly. It's that moment when the, even the gay clubs where Mm. we've had random sex become Mm. temples yeah in that way of that sacred space grant like it's just this thing of when we can acknowledge that god's presence is even in these places where we felt we were not around him yeah um i think transforms that then when we see that we are completely known and when we see that god is everywhere we can say i am fearfully and wonderfully made yeah because even though I am not what I would like to be. I am not, you know, there There are parts of me, and I, I don't even want to say parts because, again, the integrity, but that yeah. I am growing. Yeah. I am growing more into the image of God. Yeah. Um, 
I am fearfully and wonderfully made because God sees me yeah. and is with me. Yeah. Even in this moment. Yeah. You know, mm. and I think that's even helped me. I think that has helped me as I, you know, for a long time after becoming side B, I couldn't go back to clubs, mm. like gay clubs and stuff. Yeah, it was that. just, it was so much associated. Like I'll go to gay clubs in South Florida and I'm like, I've had sex in all of these bathrooms. I mean, <laughs> let's just be honest. <laughs> Um, wow, I don't know if I should say it on a podcast yeah. right now, but we'll see if that happens. We'll see if that makes a cut. <laughs> um, but I remember that passage was one of the biggest things that I remember after at my first, one of my first times going back to a club after becoming Site B, and this is years and years later, and just having this feeling of recognizing God's presence with me mm. in this moment yeah. changed it changed it drastically for me it changed it from what it was yeah um because i had always seen it as a place where god was not present totally yeah and i i you know what's crazy is as we as we work through integrity um and and the spirit of god dwells in us deeply and is it is actively bringing all those broken pieces into one um so that we can live holistically it yeah. grieves our spirit to not bring him into all those places. And yeah. I think similarly, though I, I didn't have the, quite those experiences that you had, you know, being a massage therapist and knowing that I've over, overstepped boundaries and that I've um, made mistakes with clients and that I've... um did things that I really wish I didn't do and accepted money for things that I wish I, I didn't do. Um, Mm -hmm. has, I, I think it's to, to think about those experiences and not bring the spirit of God into that Mm -hmm. grieves me deeper than knowing that he's with me in those spaces. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. To 100%. shut the door out, to shut him out just hurts so much more than, than bringing him in and into that. Yeah. Ugh. And that feels counterintuitive. Yeah. It feels counterintuitive, yeah. but it's, it's the process of restoration and integrity. Mm-hmm. And I think through that process, we then begin to find of knowing ourselves more, living an embodied life, understanding our desires, like all of these things and living honestly in the midst of that, I think it does move us into better chastity. Like it is that process. Like it, when I can, when me making a mistake is not the detriment that now God is against me. Yeah. (laughs) Like I don't live with this fear anymore. You know, you don't live with that fear the same way. And I know for some people there can get in the whole thing of license and all this different kind of stuff, totally. license sin. But like, I think in general, it it moves into such a healthier place. Mm-hmm. Um, when I know, like, I can't promise people I'm not going to make a mistake in the future. Yeah, I can't same. make that promise. Same. I, like, I I can't do it. I feel like I've gotten into a really good place now mm-hmm. from where I was. And I know there are some mistakes that I've made that I ain't, ain't never making again. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, mm. but I, I can't promise I'm never going to screw up in stuff, Yeah. but I can, I know that like I, I, if I move out of integrity, then I can move back into it Yeah. and I can take those steps. Yeah. Mm. So beautiful, uh, but beautiful. Paulo, I love talking with you. Oh my gosh, Josh, this uh, I, yeah, I adore you so much, friend. And I, I've been really blessed not only to be a fan of this bot- podcast, but to be a, a friend of yours has just, I, I'd call you a treasure, but that's too simplistic of a word to describe you. Mm, thank you. And just as you said, everyone needs a Greg Pike in their life. I also believe everyone needs a Paulo Enrico. Oh, Thank you. <laughs> Everyone needs one of each of you. Yeah. <laughs> you included. <laughs> well, um, to finish out, we have one yeah. more question. We're asking all guests. Okay. Um, if you could give a message to your younger self, you pick the H, okay. what would you say? Mm. I, I see the 15-year-old the self right now. 
in the midst of his confusion and uh, braces and <laughs> pimples and all of that. Um, I think if I could lean in really closely and say, you were never the mistake. You were never the mistake. Um, mm, that's good. And you are going to be so, so loved. Wow. Yeah. And that is so true. Mm. Because we all love you so much. Thanks, Josh. Love you too. Yeah. Y'all listening, I hope you have enjoyed this and got something out of it. <laughs> I hope you don't hate us. Yeah. Um, please don't. But, <laughs> don't but if you do, me. right? Don't come for Paulo. You are welcome <laughs> to come for me. I can take it. Mm. Um, write to us if you have questions or thoughts after this. You can put it, go to lifeonsidebe.com and send us an email. Uh, send us an e- a message on Instagram, Twitter, tweet us. We would love to hear from you and what you thought of this conversation. I think we need more of these conversations. Yeah. You know, we had we talked about sexual violence last season mm-hmm. and just felt like this was the next step in that conversation about um, with which we needed to talk and so many more to come. So thank you all for listening. We love you all. Thank you, Paulo, for doing this. You're welcome. Thank you. Seriously. Yes. And we will talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye, everyone.